The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA, SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. This is the J. Arnold Wealth Management Show. It all, yeah, John, it'll help if I actually plug the headset in for you. <laughs> How you doing, John? Great. How about you? All right, John Arnold in the showroom with me here at Stadium GM. We're going to be out here tonight till 7 o'clock. All right, uh, I want to start uh, the broadcast. We'll, we'll, we'll talk stocks and all this kind of stuff. Wait a minute. I don't want to shock your ears too much here. I might take John's hearing out for just a minute. How's that, okay, John? Okay, we're on. All right, there you go. Uh, you have, uh, I, want to, I want to talk to you in the beginning a little bit about these seminars that you have coming up. <laughs> then we'll get into today's happening. Last time you were in the studio with me, we were talking about the fact, uh, you, you were saying to me off the air, your concern over the people that were laid off at Lordstown, both on the third shift and now the second shift. And you're going to offer uh, what, uh, and they're really educational sessions. I want you to talk, first of all, about the approach on this kind of stuff, because it's not, uh, uh, it's not there to sell people anything, right? It's a whole yeah, different approach. We're not going to talk any, any individual product. We're going to talk in general at Rowdy's. It's going to be a, basically a front to back education on if I was retiring from General Motors or forcibly retired, like they're doing to these guys, what would I want to know? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million guys, you know, guys in the industry, I mean men and women, <clears throat> they're going to be attacking them left and right, this annuity pitch, this seminar, this chicken dinner, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I run mine as like an education. If you liked what I have to say and you believe what I have to say, choose me. But we know we don't do, we don't have a sales deal going on or, you know. There's no timeshare involved. There's no timeshare sales involved, <laughs> no. You, I mean, let me talk to my manager and see if he can get you a better deal. None, none of that's going on. Truly educational, not hard sales stuff. And the, I, I, something I'm very proud of, we do everything first class. And uh, the food there, you know, they'll be offering wine and beer and uh, really heavy hors d'oeuvres. I'm having it at the Lake Club. I'm having it at Rachel's. I'm having it at Tippy Canoe Country Club. And if you know anything about those four entities or those three entities, they do things first class, and it's going to be uh, you know, a nice meal. Now, this is uh, <clears throat> each of these seminars, we'll give you the dates. I, I say that, and that's wrong because they're educational get-togethers. Uh, I mean, I know from your approach, it is, it, it is when we'll get into the topics, they're free. There's no charge to get in, but they're limited to 30 people per meeting, correct? Yeah, let me tell you why we do it that way. That initially sounds like we're trying to create urgency, and, and we kind of are, but that's not the full intent of saying only 30 people. What happens after the educational workshop is we have a lot of people come up to us afterwards that ask us questions, and I want to field all those questions and answer them. 30 well, people are manageable. 30 people are manageable. When I'm getting, I used to do, you know, 60, 80 person events, and sometimes we had those people. A lot of them, they were for the free meal. A lot of them, they were just to, you know, to piss around, and, and I, I, they were, that was fine, but they, I, too I many my, people. Too many people, and, you know, I got a big practice now, and, you know, my, my time is very valuable. My, the people that are there to learn, their time is very valuable. So we, we, we did four of them at 30 people a piece. That way I can give more what's called quality versus quantity type presentation and, you know, spend more time. Right. Okay. So, so 30 people per, 
per uh, get together, and you will I call be co- okay. You will be covering. Talk about some of the topics. I know one of them was uh, uh, what's a fiduciary. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's probably the most significant one. But most and what is that? I mean, yeah. you, you know, you guys often use terms. That you know, and and people don't want to act like they're stupid or anything. But when you use these terms, a lot of people don't know what they are. Want to be or an annuity you. or any of these <clears throat> these terms. <clears throat> I would say there's a lot of financial people that don't know what a fiduciary is. Mm-hmm. A fiduciary is a standard. First of all, it's a standard that maybe an attorney that is managing a trust for somebody they're getting paid a fee to be the trustee. They are now the fiduciary. There's a legal responsibility to act in accordance to what's the best thing for the client, right? We now, well, it's, this was forced upon us, which I was glad, but it's gone by the wayside because the Supreme Court shot it down. You you introduced it, though, before it was forced yeah, on yeah. you. Yeah, but but uh, I think this is important, folks. Listen to this, <clears throat> because this is something that you instilled on yourself. At the end of 2006, 2007, I became a fiduciary. And I moved my practice to what's called advisory, fee-based fiduciary uh, asset management. I thought that was the right thing to do for the clients. It was the right thing for m- myself. It was the f- I thought that was the future of the industry, and it is. Well, what does that mean to our listeners? How did that change? Um, well, I mean, what, so what? Let me rewind back in time, and I started at the end of '99, and I was, I was, I only knew one way, and that was the commission's way. And the clients would pay a commission. Most of the time they made money with us. Sometimes they didn't. If they didn't, they still paid the commission. And, and they get the person out of that product or out of that stock or out of that equity, whatever you have you. They had to pay another commission. And nine times out of ten, they wanted me to make back up the money that they lost. And we purchased another stock or some kind of equity to make up the difference. And there's another commission. So sometimes they paid us three times to be wrong. Now, if you catch what I'm saying here, if you're really listening... Well, John Arnold's admitting that he lost money and he was wrong. Well, let me tell you something. And you made money, too. Well, you, of course. Right? We still wouldn't be in business. We're way more right than we are wrong. But every once in a while, you get a bad pick. <clears throat> it's not fair to pay me to be to be wrong. So we always thought that. I didn't know there was another way. And then as my practice grew, my clients got bigger to where it made sense to say, you know, maybe it makes sense to turn them over to what's called fee-based advisory to where the client loses, I lose. The client wins, I win. And we take on all the charges. That way, if I do make that bad decision or that bad pick, and I will, and I will in the future, I have to eat it on the chin along with the clients. Well, you pay all of all. <clears> if you have I to do. sell someone stock, the client doesn't pay. Doesn't pay. A you dime. pay for it. I, I'm, I'm all in. Right. I mean, I mean, so the, if we start with a fiduciary right off the bat at John Arnold, you pay for selling or buying that particular stock. But what else does a fiduciary mean? Fiduciary flat out means that you have to do, you have a legal authority, you have a legal right, excuse me, obligation is the key word, uh, a legal obligation to make the best decision for the interest of the client. Meaning that. Not, not in you, not, not for in, you. Not in, for me. In but your now, income. but more importantly, the key word here is legal. So if I'm a fiduciary legally, if I go to court, if I get called on, if I got called out on the carpet, you with me? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you put this person who's 70 years old or a whole $300,000 into penny stocks, and clearly that wasn't a suitable decision. I can't just shrug my shoulders and lose my license and say, oh, well, all is well, and you know, go sell real estate. Now there's an, there's an opportunity for me to get a criminal charge against me, which I would deserve. And if found guilty by a, by a judge or jury of my peers, I would probably have a criminal, uh, obviously, penalty, which is jail time or a fine or both. <clears throat> and before the fiduciary role, 
there was not the case. You're you're supervised and managed, and you still are, by a private entity called FINRA. FINRA is a private entity called which is known as an SRO, which is a supervisory regulatory authority. Okay, and they do a very strict job of managing you. Now, they are way more strict than the SEC. I mean, the, you're just guilty. If someone says you're guilty, you're guilty. All right, you don't have a jury. now. You got to prove your innocence. You got to prove your innocence. That's the problem with a private organization. From a client perspective, the private the part with the private organization is, if there's a penalty, if you are found to do wrongdoing to the client, and you pay a fine, you have to pay a fine, or something bad has happened, or you did the client wrong, there's no jail time, there's no severe penalty. You can walk away, you just drop your license, and that's the end of it. Now the client's screwed, bleeding, tattooed, and that's a that's a black stain on our industry. And they're, they're trying to work ways around it to, to find out how we can get around that, which I support. But uh, I don't see legally how you could do it as long as it's a private entity because private entities aren't tax-paying revenue dollars or aren't funded by. They're only funded by fines <clears throat> and fees. And because of that, you're not going to have a legal authority to, to criminally charge somebody. But so anyways, back to how this reverts back to John Arnold is <clears throat> I, I've never thought that was fair. And I still don't. And I'm glad that I became a fiduciary in 2007. The industry was going there, which I supported. And a lot of my conservative friends look at me cross-eyed because I'm very conservative. But that was something headed up by Barack Obama and Elizabeth Warren, one of the few things in life I agreed with. Um, I, I, to this day, don't know why we don't have a fiduciary standard in the financial industry because ultimately what it's doing is saying, hey, as a financial advisor, you can go and do somebody wrong, and they can walk away from it, and there's nothing that you, you can do about it. That's crap. So, uh, you know, for, as far as me, I can't control the industry. As far as I go, I'm SEC regulated, state uh, state securities department regulated, and I also carry a securities license that keeps me FINRA regulated. So I have three entities that supervise me. They're very strict. We get audits every year. Uh, I pass my audit with every, flying colors. Uh, they they find no deficiencies. We're real strict, strict on that. I can't say that that's going to happen in the future. But man, we we take we pay a lot of attention to compliance. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I I think we provide a really good service. Right, and ba and basically, I could boil it down to they they want you as a financial guy to be the same as if I go to my doctor. I want my doctor to look at what's wrong with me and how do I can get better. Or quite frankly, a car mechanic. If I go to the service department here, I want them to tell me what's wrong with my car and what's going to cost to fix it. There has to be a certain level of honor and trust there, and that's the same thing. Yeah, accountability <clears throat> that that they're doing with you guys. Well, more importantly, I'll but yours is self-imposed. Uh, well, now before, it is, legally it was self-imposed, and then it was going to be legally done. And now it's self-imposed again because they took it away. The Fifth Circuit of the Supreme Court said, you know, you can't legally force an industry to do anything. So that's, you know, that's the, that's the breaks. I will also say... <clears throat> but uh, despite it, that, FINRA, though, and those people hold you to those standards, though, do they? Well, FINRA's going to hold you standard in the fact that if you look, if you don't cross your eyes, excuse me, your T's and dot your eyes, if you don't, if you don't say excuse me at the farting, they're gonna, they're gonna find the crap out of you. I mean, that's a really, Finner is a no B. I mean, they are way stricter and way more scarier to me than any SEC official. Uh, I know I, I never want to cross Finner because they have ultimate authority, so they keep us on our toes. The problem is, if I just was a Finner reg regulated person and I did somebody wrong, and I, I might, you know, I just quit and there's the, the clients out. That's what that's what's important to me. 
the client's out. With, with the way I do things, I'm out. So, you know, somebody legally can come after me. But the good news is I could also legally defend myself, too. So Right. And th- and that's why when you say you I- when you take on a new client, if somebody comes to you, you interview them as well as they interviewing you. It's in part because of all of this, right? It's to make sure if they if they say to you, okay, I'm 70 and I want to be in some riskier investments because I feel I can, I mean, you need to talk to them about that and they need to convey that to you. I mean, so that it doesn't come back to bite you. Well, yeah, I, I learned that lesson the hard way, unfortunately. And, and I remember when I was a younger broker, we used to go to these due diligence meetings where the the chief compliance officer or the general counsel would talk in front of, say, 300 brokers. I went to a Stiefel Nicholas conference once when I was with them in St. Louis. And <clears throat> I never forget, I remember the, the general counsel talking to us and giving us examples of brokers throughout the years, in that year, that had done really outrageously stupid things innocently. But stupid things that, you know, cost us money as a firm, cost them their career or fine. And he tried to preach to them that we know 80% of it's not you. People just don't like to lose money. And they're going to say or do whatever they do need to do to get that money back. The problem is, is FINRA, you don't have a peer or a jury or, you know, trial jury by your peers. You're just guilty. So you got to find a way for me, obviously, to uh, defend you. One, take detailed notes. And two... Don't take take every tick Dom, Dick Dom and Harry, Tom Dick and Harry, <laughs> off the street. Interview them, and I never forgot that. I learned my lesson the hard way in 2009. At a at a, a client taking advantage of the situation, but from that point on, you know we interview strict strictly on the clients we take on. And, um, and during that, and we have them interview us strictly. Right, and and during that time. But you know when you want to assess their their um, what risk tolerance at that in those interviews. Well, today, like, that's every broker. Yeah, we we have to do that by law. To to say where can I inv- where what level can I put this person in? Right? No, it's called know your client rule, which mm-hmm. I think started in ninety eight or ninety nine. But now your client rule basically says you have to do a due diligence, an in depth due diligence. You know, assess the liabilities, risk tolerance. How much education do you have? Are you competent? You know. <clears throat> on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the riskiest, 1 being no risk, where are you at on the spectrum? How long can you withhold, you know, have this money invested without you needing any of it? How much liquid assets outside of this? I can go on and on. I could have a whole show on a due diligence package. We do all those things. But, but the, anyone but, listening, whether they're John Arnold Klein or not, should expect that to happen. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. And every good firm, if every firm that I know, they do that. As a matter of fact, the compliance teams for the people that regulate us are so strict that sometimes they go overboard. It's the same damn question four or five times. And I feel bad asking a client because they're looking at me cross-eyed saying, you just asked this. But, you know, the broker-dealers in the, in the supervisory industries, they've been taken advantage of too. So now they go overboard to protect themselves. But where I'm coming in as far as an interview for a client, I'm asking them. I give them scenarios. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, 2008 comes by. I'm your broker now. I have you in mid-cap, small-cap growth funds couple equities, some dividend payers, some preferreds, just a nice portfolio that was averaging you a 10 to 12% return. And then 2008 slash 2008 market crash hits, you have a growth objective. You want to take risk. Are you mad at me? Are you pissed off at me that you lost money? And I'm looking at, I'm, I know they're what they're going to say. They're going to say, no, that's the breaks. They're going to say, no, that's how the market reacts. But what they don't know is I'm watching their facial record. I'm looking, I'm looking at their face like a cop looks at a guy when he pulls someone over for DUI. I'm looking to see their reaction. I'm looking to see if that startles them. And if it startles them, that's a little ding-ding in my, my head. And I also tell them, 
I guarantee you, as a word I used to, I hate using, I guarantee you that I'm going to lose you money sometimes. I guarantee it. And I want to see how their reaction is. Mm-hmm. If that, if it, you know, they start worming around or they maybe start thinking of things, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't go with this guy. That's a, that's a loud ringing alarm that I should not take that client because I'm one of the few guys in the industry that, that's going to admit that, hey, I'm going to lose you money sometimes because you know what? The stock market doesn't go up every day. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, John Arnold's going to make a bad pick. That's just the way. That's how Bernie Madoff got caught. Did you know that? Bernie Madoff, as smart as he was, the guy was so stupid that every pick won. I want you to think how stupid that guy was. That means over years and years and years of managing money that he beat every mathematical performing uh, software out there, including every broker on the street, and every single one of his picks made money. Think yeah. about that. That's yeah. a mathematical impossibility. Right. And that's how the son of a gun got caught. So I'm here to tell you the truth of the matter is if you look at my if you look at my portfolios this year, every single thing has made money. I've not lost a thing. But I could also tell you I know it's sometime during the next year or this year coming up some of those are gonna be losers. No matter how I guarantee much that. due diligence you do, no matter how much you try to anticipate things doesn't mean you're always I gonna be right. That. And I'll right. tell you another thing that I've learned the hard way. You could have ten winners. You have one loser, the clients will hold you to the fire, put you on a cross, and crucify you for the one loser, and they forget about the ten winners. You could start out with a hundred grand and have the damn account up to one hundred eighty-eight thousand, and just because at one time that and then it goes down to one hundred seventy-eight thousand, and they're upset. No, even better, you had it up at two hundred one at one point. Now it's down to one hundred eighty-eight because you had a loser you had to get rid of. They're still pissed off. They have an eighty-eight thousand dollar gain. I go through nonsense like that every year. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. When we interview the clients, we're interviewing to protect them from us and vice versa, me from them. And uh, I just, I think that there's a lot of people in this in this uh, world that are not fit for the stock market. Just like I, I and do you tell them that? I do. I said you should never, ever, ever, ever get in the stock and, market. And do, and do you then get say maybe they need an annuity? Maybe they need to stay in a bank? You I do. guide I them, them into I other them directions. A options. So you know, fixed annuity is going to give you three to five percent. You know, a variable annuity is going to give you some kind of guaranteed pension effect. You know, we have alternative investment plans that have underlying investments in them. Did, did you did you run into a lot of that? John Arnold's our guest. Did you run into a lot of that after 08? Did 08 change a lot of people? 08 changed, it changed brokers. It weeded a lot of people out. It weeded a lot of people that need to retire out. And it, weeded, it, it, it was that devastating of an effect. It was. The, from the inside... Looking out, I can't begin to explain in detail. It would take us four shows to explain what it did to this, to our, to the investment industry, and a lot of industries. In a lot of industries, but it also wiped out a lot of potential investors. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot to this day, a lot of people say, "Forget that stock market, man. It's manipulated. It's a, it's a, it's a gambling session ball." And that's not the truth. All you have to do is look at a, tra- a stock chart from 1929 to today. There's nothing that's, that's beat the stock market at return. Mm-hmm. You got these jerk offs p- pitching gold and silver bars, and you know the next. What do you think about that? They, those ads run constantly on those. Fox and that. Remember this: if somebody's advertising something a lot, it's because they need to. But I always think to myself when they say, you know, you make sure you invest in in gold. I always think to myself, they're taking your dollars for their gold. Exactly. Exactly, Ron. It's common sense. The common sense is there. Mm-hmm. You know, I got people, I only invest in gold and guns. Like, get out of here, man. And when people start talking that nonsense, tell them to beat it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with you. I don't like stupidity. But if you have a, like, if you're the kind of guy that has, like, say, 
ten percent of your net worth in some some precious metals and some gold, and you got a rental property or two, and maybe you, you diversify like you that. Put into a, yeah. And when you talk gold, do you mean physically having it, or do you yeah. mean like an ETF? A lot of guys, no, I'm not talking about physically having. It. A lot of guys believe in having that physical gold mm-hmm. and silver, which I believe in too, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's going to protect you in inflation. It's going to protect you in wars. It's going to protect you in markets like 2008, 2009. But it's not a one size fits all. And by the way, if we get into a Great Depression, that gold is useless to you because yet one, you have to have something to trade for it. If we get into a Great Depression like Armageddon, people talk about it's going to be chickens and guns and cows and gunpowder. That's going to be what's worth money. Mm-hmm. You have to defend your land. You're gonna, it's going to be Armageddon. I don't want a gold bar. I want a chicken. Exactly. <laughs> get, your, get your chickens rounded up now. But 08 was devastating, Rock. wasn't it? It was a oh, devastating. It, it was, it, you know what's cool is I got to see two devastating markets. I learned a lot from both. As a young broker, I got to see 2001, 9-11, market crash, mm-hmm. 2002, slash. Um, I, got to see what a, I got to see what a lot of guys that called themselves brokers and financial advisors I got to see what they were made of. They were nothing but salesmen. They were, they were nothing but, they know they knew no more than their clients did. Mm-hmm. And I got to see that firsthand, which turned me to do what I do. Right. And in 2008, I got to see the worst of my industry. You know, Lehman and them guys were shorting their own stock on the way down. That means they were making money on our backs. Mm-hmm. And the government bailed people out that shouldn't have been bailed out on our backs, and they were shorting the stock. Right. And... I haven't forgot that. People have. They got they let those guys off the hook, but I don't know why. And then I got to see the worst side of clients too. There was there was attorneys lining up just to say, Hey, you know, if you lost any money at all from your with your stockbroker or slash financial advisor, give us a call. And what they would do is they would just they would send thousands of, of complaints and, and, and lawsuits against the broker dealer, knowing that the broker dealer didn't have enough time to field them all. Broker dealer, give him thirty cents on the dollar, go away. Uh, how uh, talk a little bit tonight, and I get more into the seminars and what else is going to be there. Talk a little bit, like they had this team. Remember, in previous shows, you have been talking, uh, and this is going back a couple of years about pension plans and mm-hmm. the tr- trouble with pension pan- plans. That's right? our next. I think that's our next day on the coffin. But go ahead. Okay, and you were talking about uh, uh, public pensions, and now this Teamsters. Oh, the, the Teamsters are worried about their pension. They had that big rally in Columbus, you know out of concern for the Teamster pension, basically running out of money and cutting down what they're going to give retirees and yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Talk a little bit about wh- why you had your initial concerns about pension. And this is going back a couple years that you were talking about this on the show. It's coming <laughs> It's coming to. Uh, uh, it's coming this way now. I mean, when, there are Teamsters that are saying, we don't have enough Teamsters. We're, uh, our pensions are going to get cut. We're going to get substantially less. It's a mathematical less. certainty. Yeah, or it would be turned over to the government. PBGC is going to take over. And then you get a lot less you're gonna get one-third and and just from your own standpoint uh, forget as a financial guy can you imagine if you work during your life and you said during your life hey guess what I am going to uh, retire on uh, I'm gonna retire on a pension and I got this much coming in and you retire and do that or you're close to it and it craps hang on we'll come back with John after this The following is a paid program and does not necessarily represent the views of iHeartMedia. Securities and advisory services offered through Investicorp, member FINRA SIPC. Information provided during the J. Arnold Wealth Management Company show is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered advice. Please consult with your own investment advisor or tax advisor before making any investment decisions. 
This is the Jay Arnold Wealth Management Show. And uh, John Arnold is here. Now I want to get back to what I was talking about prior to the break because I'm saying this this was, uh, uh, folks, a couple years ago, you were talking about public pensions, meaning uh, firefighters, cops, and all that kind of yeah. stuff, teachers, that, that you said this is going to be the next shoe to drop, and you were talking private pensions. I want to go back to these Teamsters were in Columbus. And uh, imagine how pissed you would be if you retired thinking you had 3000 a year coming in and a pension, and it's going to be 1300 now. You're already retired, or you're close to retirement. Give me your thoughts about that. what's going on there. I, I'm probably the wrong guy to to talk to you about this on the radio because I have a violent temper. I <laughs> let me tell you something. Good. I want to bring if this I, topic if up. I, if I if I work thirty years doing a hard job like the Teamsters do, mm-hmm. I mean, me and some guys are getting together and we're kicking some ass. And you lose your pension. We're losing everything, but yeah. you know where we're going down fighting. That's legit stealing. Mm-hmm. That's legit. That's the same as going into someone's bank account and pulling out a million dollars that they earned, their hard-earned money, and just saying, oopsie, we managed it wrong, oopsie. That's the same as stealing to me. But do you remember the, uh, uh, a while back, the answer to everything was get a job with a pension in it. That, and, you know, uh, as much as I hate to say, it, maybe you're better off with a 401K or something that you can well, manage that's your both. money. Right. These guys got both, okay? But, again, you're going to remember, it's like, all right, let's say we work for XYZ radio station together and we start in 1980. And they say, well, here's your benefits package. You're going to get X amount of dollars an hour. You're going to get health care. We're going to give you this pension. We're going to offer you this 401k. And in return, you're going to give us 50 hours a week of right. your services, right? For the next well, 30 you, years. Yeah, yeah, you give them 50 hours a week, but for whatever reason, they think it's okay 30 years from there. Ah, we're just this one little thing, this pension we're pulling out from under you. That doesn't play. That's that's legit stealing, and I'm mad about that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen to my grandfather. I've seen it to my grandfather's friends. You know, a lot of this area seen it happen with steel door. Bottom line is, is I don't know why Delphi know workers too. Delphi, well, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I one of my buddies and a good friend of ours, his name is Roy. He worked at Delphi. Those executives down there, oh my God, what they did to them is horrible. And shame on the Congress people and the the senators and congressmen for not doing more for them. That again is legit because they worked them. and thought they would have yeah, this pension. They did, they did, and they pulled the rug out from under them. Right, and it pissed me off. Right, and and you've been talking about that for a long time. Now you have this big conglomerate of people who went from this area and all over down to Columbus, you know, to say uh, to certainly bring attention to it. But it's something like when you talk about your your uh, fiduciary responsibility, mm-hmm. even if somebody has a pension or y- your fiduciary responsibility when they come in, if they're still working, is to say, oh, do you have a four hundred one k? Diversify, right? Yeah, diversify one. If you if you qualify for and you can afford to, your Roth IRA is where you need to be. Secondly, if you have a 401k at work or a PSP or something that's pre-tax dollars that you're allowed to put money into, you'd be a fool not to put some kind of money into it. One, it's free money. Mm-hmm. You're getting a free tax break. And two, the, the gains are going to grow tax deferred. You'd be an idiot not to put some kind of money into it. And more than likely, you're going you're gonna to have some kind of match from your employer. And then three, you have the pension plans like you're talking about that, at the end of the day, uh, uh, hopefully you know, we'll be there. Hopefully. So if the pension plans fail, you still got your Roth and your 401k to keep you afloat with Social Security. But you but you said you seem to think that's going to be the next shoe to drop. And, and are yeah. you talking public pensions when, too, when, right? When people talk to me about, well, John, what do you see coming down the pike? It's something you're never going to plan for. That's what makes it a crash. We have a lot of accounting slash financial regulations in effect 
to really shelter the client from catastrophic losses right now. We, you know, we've we've learned the hard way. What and and it's like it's like when you board a plane right now. As bad as it sucks, the reason why you're going through taking your shoes off and they learn the hard way too. They learn the hard way, right? They learned that the terrorists are smarter than them, and it's a cowboys and robbers game, and we got to stay ahead of them, right? So. The same has happened with my industry to where the cops and robbers gain the cowboys, the, the policemen, I should say, uh, in our industry have done a really good job of protecting the client and the investor. But that's that's the problem is the next crash is the one you can't control and to see coming. And I just, in my opinion, it's going to be a failure of a public pension or a private pension as big as the Teamsters that creates the snowball. You see one pension go down and now... You know, it's all over the TV, and you see another pension go down. It's all over the TV, and then they're forced to, they're forced to 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 talk about how the what the financial status is of this pension and this pension and this pension. Before you know it, fear is all over the street, and Armageddon's here. So, I think that's the next one to drop. And when, so what I I come across this all the time. I got a couple of bozos that come to my office every once in a while. That have there might be a, a teacher or a fireman or a principal. They don't take their plot money. <laughs> which is the money they're allowed to take out of their pension and put it on somewhere on their own in an IRA because, quote-unquote, they trust the state. Mm-hmm. I want you to wrap your head around how ridiculous that is. And you also you mentioned to me during the break bonds you're concerned about. Why is that? Well, bonds uh, work inversely with inflation. Bonds work inversely with interest rates. If you look at the CPI index, it's the first time it's rose this level in a long time, which is the inflation index. You look at uh, our money... Uh, our spending power is going down. You look at the price of stamps, gasoline, milk, and you look at pay. It's not. It's not an equal standard. Inflation. You're inflation talking about. Is, inflation is is going is up. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to combat inflation is not to make money so easy to get. And that means they're going to have to make interest rates rise. Right? They're going to mm-hmm. make interest rates rise. When interest rates rise, bonds will fall. Especially long-term bonds, so it's not a math. It's not an opinionated what John thinks this. John is a math, giving you a mathematical certainty that when interest rates rise, bond prices will fall. Well, that's that's going to happen. That's yeah. going to happen. And guess what's supporting a lot of those pension plans? Bonds. Bonds, especially corporate bonds, mm-hmm. especially long-term corporate bonds, because they've had a gravy train on corporate bonds now for thirty years. You look at interest rates in 2000, uh, excuse me, 1981 in the, in the Carter slash Reagan years, you're looking at 12 to 16% interest rates. So where were bonds, right? In the toilet. They were in the toilet. Interest rates go down, bonds go way up. Mm-hmm. And they've been down for a long they time. They have. You're talking about a 30-year bull market. What will go up will come down. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where you're at. So you got a double whammy coming. Now, here's the problem we don't know. When is it going to be? <laughs> So, uh, we have a lot of momentum carrying us right now. Right, but aren't the indicators that we're talking interest rates going up and up? So I would say sooner than later, wouldn't you? Well, they're going up, but they're going up slowly, which is nice. The way they're doing it is really smart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're letting the, 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 the release out of the balloon slower and slower, which is really good because if you just pop it overnight, forget about it. So... The, and here's another thing. Let me back up to the pension plan that you're talking about. I love the fact that you bring this up because I'm not a fair gauge guy. I'm not a fear-inducing guy. I don't sell my annuities by inducing fear. I don't do that. So when I talk to you on the radio, I talk objectively saying, 
pensions were designed for you to start taking a pension at 62 and to die between 62 and 70. Again, start taking them at 62 and die between 62 and 70. A lot of people are, are starting to retire at 55, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe 57, 58, whatever. And a lot of people are living into 80, 82, 84. So that's a mathematical uh, unbalance, meaning if pension plans were designed in the 50s and the 40s to last seven, eight years, and the human beings are living 30 years longer than what they thought they were going to live, and they're retiring earlier, how are the funds in those pension plans going to keep up? Mm-hmm. And there's less Teamsters. Not only that, the, less people are, the, the pension funds are invested in the same exact, thing, same exact thing that you and I are invested in. That means they suffered 87, they suffered 2001, they suffered 2009, they suffered just like us. Mm-hmm. So in the years that they were supposed to make money, and you got more people taking the money, and then they have to rebound from those they big losses. They got to rebound. It's just, and when you got you got more coming out of the kitty than it's going in. Boom. And then when it's, and then I gotta tell you, here's another thing: a black eye on my industry. A lot of pension managers are picked because they're friend. They take the the guys on the in the union or whoever golfing. Mm-hmm. You know, call me out, whatever. I can show you proof of it. So, and this is this by the way, this is decades ago. This is not current. So those pension managers who sucked, you know, that perform poorly in decent markets, who still got, got a, they kind of got a blind eye or a pass because they're taking those guys golfing. Well, the piper's here to pay. He wants he, the piper's here. It's time to make payment. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Right. So it's caught up to him. But even if if they get in trouble and the government bails them out, you're getting less money. You're getting less money. I mean, PBGC that- is designed. PBGC is just is designed to do exactly what you just said. It's going to spread the annuity out amongst everybody in the PBGC. But if I said John Arnold is concerned about one area as as time goes on, it would be pensions. Pensions and municipalities. Okay. Public pensions and some of these large private pensions pensions are what what you are concerned about. In your, you, when you decide to do these educational get-togethers, you, uh, it's not just about doing a fiduciary. You're going to talk about long-term care. You're going to talk about health care, things, uh, things that are financial, but also part of it. Uh, well, what's happening now? You got every Tom, Dick, and Harry soliciting, you know, come to my free chicken dinner or whatever and hear about my greatest annuity. It's going to give you a guaranteed rate of return. We got them. We got a, we had every single. But you don't care for we annuities. We got every single investment product under my belt. I can give you any annuity in the world you want, and sometimes they're a fit. Every once in a while, you come across a great annuity like Jackson, or Pack Life has one, or AIG. That's that's a fit for some people, but it's not fit for. It's not a fit for most. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure you know why that person's pitching you that annuity. So we're going to talk. It's going to be a long workshop, but we're going to when you walk out of there, you're going to know a lot. We're going to have workbooks and everything. So when you come out of there, you're, you're going to be armed for bear. There ain't nobody going to, there are going to be nobody hoodwinking people that come to this, this seminar on an annuity, believe me. So we're, we're going to teach them about the goods. There's some goods about annuities, some bads, you know, your relative bads, and the really uglies about annuities. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to, you know, long-term care and how to get around paying for a $1,000 a month long-term care policy, how to structure and title your your accounts, you know, the proper way that are non-IRA to avoid having to, to, to build a trust. So some of these at these educational seminars are for those, let's say, the 600 guys that decided to retire. It's for them, as well as the people that are laid off at General Motors. It's really, I, I'm concentrating on the GM guys, men and women, but to, tr- to tell you the truth, 
or if you're retired, you just want to learn about what I do and how I do things. Come on in. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. I just use the. I think right now is a good time to help these guys that are retiring or getting forced to retire because, man, they need the help now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got the carpet pulled out from under them. Mm-hmm. So we're we're targeting those guys, but everybody that's retired has an interest is invited. So so it's not uh, specific to yeah. that group. All right, and these are going to be on what dates? Do you know them off the top uh, of your head? August second. Uh, this ought to be good. Okay, August second is the first. August second, we're going to have the Lake Club. Uh, which, and I'm very proud to show off my club. So we belong to that club. As you know, Ed Moransky has built that club beautifully. I mean, I'll put that club against any club in the world. August second. I mean, yeah, is. August second. So we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have that club. We're gonna showcase that club. We're gonna have a nice, obviously, hors d'oeuvres and wine, beer, and non-alcoholic beverages there. We're gonna do our our first presentation there. I want to say we're doing our second presentation at Rachel's mm-hmm. and the Horvath's are great, you know, hometown family. They have a really good restaurant there. We're targeting the Austin town folks that don't want to go all the way to Poland sure. or Holland or whatever it have you. And they're doing, I think, our last two, and I can't remember the dates. You might have them. Uh, we're going to do them. It's either Wednesday or Thursday night at Tippecanoe Country Club, which is also a great venue. I belong there for a couple of years. I have good relationships there. They always do an outstanding job for me. So what we're trying to do is spread out the parameters of, like, geography. For our, our folks from Strathers in Poland and Lower Boardman, we're going we're going to do Light Club. For our Austin, Austin Town folks, Rachel's. For people in the Canfield, Austin Town, Boardman, we're going to do Tippecanoe. So if, if you're listening and you're not a client of John Arnold's, can you attend? Well, I prefer that. Okay. Yeah, 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 I prefer. But, you know... I'm going to invite well, my current times, clients, too. Like a current, lot of my current, current clients come, come because they want to learn. Right. Yeah. So we're doing, by the way, we're doing something we'll talk about on future shows. We're doing our training, educational workshops on Saturday morning to read us, teach people everything about the financial industry, kindergarten, all the way to high school. Mm-hmm. So these are the seminars, 30 persons uh, per meeting, if you will, and no charge for it, just so yeah, we know. Yeah, no charge. No, no sales play games or none of that. You get some great food, you get some great drinks, and you're going to learn a lot. Right, and and that's the goal. And the thing is, these aren't sales pitches at all. This no. is just educational and I, and that kind of stuff. I mean, we'll follow up with the people. Hey, would you you know would you you know would you like to have an interview with us or give us a, a give us a sec you know give us an option to earn your business? But that isn't going to be any hardcore press stuff. We don't go for that. All right, John Arnold is our guest. News Radio five seventy WKBN. Now let's cut to the financial happenings of the day. Uh, the markets, some people thought, oh, boy, the market could react to Putin and Trump and all that. Didn't, though. No. Well, like I told you before, uh, it's it's already built into the market, first of all. Secondly, you weren't nervous at all. Not at it. all. Not at all. But it, at the end of the day, it's all propaganda. Mm-hmm. You know, Putin knows what Trump's going to say before he says it. Trump knows what Putin's going to say before he says it. Really, it's all smoke and mirrors, to tell you the truth. And but no plain. reaction from no, the market no. on it. And the market looks at it the same as us. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I was saying it. I'm not, again, political. But John Arnold's with us. You, you do a, a lot of due diligence. What does your due diligence, you know, you could be right, you could be wrong, tell you of where we are and what's happening? My number one reading is Barron's, the Barron's. So we subscribe to the Barron's and we subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. But mm-hmm. my, my best reading is the Barron's. And the mm-hmm. Barron's thinks like I think. Okay, we're all opinionated. No, it's just a guess. But we think we have a one hell of a bull market still. We do. And I think that anybody's trying to time getting out of the bull market is going to be made a fool. 
We also think, like I think, I think that you have a sort of a recession coming in 2019. I think the tax... Well, wait a minute. That's a year from now. It is. <laughs> I think it's going to be political motivated, too. Explain, explain this to me. You are not going to beat Donald Trump anywhere but his own game. The guy has mastered the economy. Would you agree with that? Yes. What better way to get your Democrat candidate some some leverage, some headway, than to stay in the economy right before the election? Now, this is something that I'm just coming at with out of the, you know. Your own thoughts. My own thoughts. I have no proof. But I will say the barons come out and say that between, the you know, what's going on with the tax cuts and uh, or the rising interest rates that they and you know, everything comes long in the tooth, and so does an economy. And inflation, they think that with the yield curves, that they think that 2019 is going to be the start of maybe an average bear market. Maybe the, the ride will be over. And it's all a guess. Mm-hmm. But that's what we think. All right. John Arnold's our guest, News Radio 570 WKBN. So, will you, uh, so your current investors in the market, fully invested. Oh, we're, we're gangbusters. Uh, and uh, with the caution light on as you get into 19, is what you're saying. Yeah, we get and, into 19. And you could be reassessing by that point yeah, in time, and, too. Yeah, and I think it's going to be middle of 19, going in, and maybe even end of 19. I think 19, first half of the year, is going to be just fine. I think as long as these damn quarterly reports continue to come out, Record earnings like they are as we speak. And you got unemployment falling, falling, falling. You got more jobs than people out there right now. Mm -hmm. As long as that remains in effect, I think we're going to be just soft, just fine. See, people think when they hear a recession, they immediately, they, they're going to immediately jump to 2009. Do you blame not, them? That's it, not how a recession is, though. It could be a milder one, you're saying? Well, I think it's going to be a much milder one. And a recession is, is two straight quarters of no growth in the GDP. That's all it is. That's mm -hmm. literally the, the the financial term of it. Period. It doesn't mean people are jumping out of windows or making runs on the bank and 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 holding people up for money. It doesn't mean that. But what happens is, is people think recession, they equal the the equivalent is of we're going to lose our job, 401ks are going down 50 percent. And to tell you the truth, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, that's when you get a catastrophic market catalyst. Which is what 2008 was and 2002 was. All so, right, so that so, uh, so that's good news for current investors or yeah. future investors, is what you're saying. It is good news, and it's it's bad news for my competition because the ass kickings are still coming. <laughs> <laughs> We're killing it. But 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 hey, talk a little bit about that when you say let's let's talk a little bit. You're killing it. It's going. I mean, it's going well for your investors right now, right? Yeah. Here, here's the thing. It's going way better than we thought. Because I thought I was on some things earlier, um, a couple years ago, that they were really performing well. I had no idea that it was going to blow. It was, the expectations are, if you if you have you get emails from some of my clients or our callers, like I can't even tell you how good the results are because they sound unbelievable. Mm -hmm. They sound like a bunch of uh, nonsense. Mm -hmm. Let's just say this: we're we're very easily beating the market. We're doing it with certain very high quality equities and some ETFs, which are also an equity. And uh, we're managing it. You know, we're, we're playing it safe. Give an example. We made a bunch of money on Facebook. Facebook came out with terrible news. Uh, yeah, I, we lost about 12 points from 180 to 168, 170 area, and uh, we got out. Now, it went to 120 and, but, and came right back. But, hey, I took a huge gain off the table. I'm not playing. I'm not being greedy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I'm not going to get slaughtered. So 
We're playing it smart. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, Facebook. <laughs> you know, and and uh, but, well, is Instagram and those other ones catching on or not? Yeah, I, I Spotify and them guys. I just, yeah, honestly, I'm so, Twitter with I'm, Trump. Twitter, I'm, Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's been a big disappointment. I mean, it. If you buy Twitter in the dumps, you made a lot of money. Twitter's been so damn uh, bipolar, mm-hmm. scary that I, I I've not jumped back into Twitter. I've been burned on Twitter. It's a, it's actually a stock. If you think about it, it should be the number one stock in the world. It's the fastest, most objective form of communication in the world. Think about it. fastest. Oh yeah, look at what Trump f- does. Objective with it. form of communication the entire. Every world. politician from this point forward, whether they like Trump or not, will, do, will learn from him on how they're going to run. You better believe it, it. It will be, you know, how he used it. But just because he did it doesn't mean they'll be successful at it. Well, they won't be successful because they'll pussyfoot around about it. Right, but, but but he knew how to effectively use it for its shock value and to get attention and to get uh, and to get and on get TV. His, he wants to get his objective message out. His name, he got on television, all that kind of stuff. But they for the market, use it, but not as good as he did. Let me tell you something. So I talked to a lot of power brokers in New York, a lot of my buddies that are in the big firms and Morgan Stanley and them guys and. Because I'm, we're, we're, we, I become really good friends with some of them. I actually go down to Dallas and I stay down, I stay at one of those guys' houses. So we talk a lot. His name is Michael, and uh, he, those guys all use Twitter for their information. You know, we we pay hundreds of dollars a month to they use Twitter for their Twitter for their information. What does that mean? That means they get instant data without having to go through, say, the Wall Street Journal or one of the things we subscribe to. Like Cabot or something. Mm-hmm. Like we subscribe to certain websites that give us information supposedly faster than the main newsline. Okay, but then there's Twitter. Twitter is free. Twitter is instantaneous. Someone sees something, they instantly Twitter it, and then it spreads like wildfire. Those guys are using Twitter as their main news source for to get a jump on a stock. There are things you know when you talk about technology. John Arnold is our guest. We can't say, in all seriousness, I can't say today. What will be the reality three years from now? That's how quickly things are changing. You know, as I would far say as, in a week. Yeah, you know, as far as how retail is changing, what stores are going to be there, the, the the whole ball of wax. You know, Amazon's got this big sale going on today. It started at three o'clock or whatever, isn't it? Some type of Prime Day or something like that. Yeah, and there's, it, and it and so many could, sales that shut it down. Really? They shut down Amazon. That's how many they were overloaded with with orders. Amazon, I, I bought an Amazon Amazon Echo or something like that a couple days ago because we wanted to put one in the kitchen. And we tried to set it up today. Amazon was actually down. Amazon, the company, Because today that sale started at it 3 o'clock. It was overwhelmed. Yeah, it was overwhelmed. And it couldn't keep up with the demand. That tells not. you how huge that has become, right? It tells you you're an idiot if you didn't invest in Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, and and it will tell you the direction where things are going. Absolutely. It's amazing when you order something on a Friday and you'll get it on a Sunday. It's changing how UPS is going to go uh, seven well, days a week, they're, they're the, the United States system. Postal Service. And, well, Amazon potentially with what? Its own delivery service. And anything they touch is puts a fear in everybody. And the, the thing about Amazon, it's the same as Apple. It's always better than the other person's. That's the thing about Bezos and like Steve Jobs. They know how you might be able to compete with them on a certain level, but you're never going to beat them. Those guys, that's how brilliant these guys are. And that's the thing about Amazon. They're, they're, and, and Bezos, I don't agree with his philosophies on things, but when it comes to business, everything he touches is good. Right. It's high quality. It's efficient. It's good. It's fair. 
and 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 that's why I see the future for Amazon. And you see just the immediate. You could be right. You could be wrong. I like to do that before you do it. Well, you see the immediate. Uh, if I would ask John Arnold, investment guru, the, the, <laughs> the next uh, the next six months, you see pretty positively. Extremely positive. Right. And if you'd like to be a client of John's, uh, you can give his office a call, uh, which I find this interesting, folks. There's a, there's a facility called the Poor House, which is uh, a bar restaurant. John Arnold's office, the Poor House is on, on the end of the street. And if you go up the hill, that's where the rich house is. That's right. Where <laughs> daddy makes the rich house. That's where you make the money, right? And that, and that yeah. kind of stuff. So if you're unhappy with your current and, you know, with what you're doing for an investment strategy and or you're not happy with where you are or you want to get out of the bank or something and you want to meet John or you want to talk to John about his ideas or see what he could do for you and interview him and he'll interview you, you can do so. How do people get that ball rolling? You can give us a call at 330-965-9890. Which is the same number for same the number seminar. For, this, for the workshops. All right, so yeah. if you're, and, I, and I'll give you that number. If you want to get a piece of paper and a pencil out, I'll give you that no, number again coming up here momentarily because that is the number if you're interested in attending any of John's uh, workshops that he's talking about, the first one being August 2nd, right? August 2nd. At the Lake Club. Yep. You have to call that number and have them hold a spot for you. August 9th is the next one, but you have to you have to have them hold a spot. It's 30 people only, and you call during business hours, obviously. Anyway, the number is? 330-965-9890. Now, let me tell you how popular these have been. We have... We, we we started. We didn't have a date yet. Me and you started talking about them two two years ago or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. People had are nine people had already reserved for a first one before even having a date or a place to have them at. So when I tell you you want to make your phone call now if you if you want to get into these, you don't you don't want to mess around. You want to get in because they're filling up. All right, number again three three zero. Nine six five nine eight nine zero. Website, please. www.jarnoldwealth.com. There you have it. All right, thanks. All right, so that's John Arnold. He's here every Monday at six o'clock with the Truth and Investing Show on News Radio five seventy WKBN. And I remember, I'm telling you, he's dead serious. It was two years ago, long before any of this pension meltdown was happening. He was talking about it ahead of the curve. It's John Arnold. <laughs>